Well, welcome to our Sunday night teaching time. And tonight, we're starting into a brand new series, Lessons from Heaven for Life on Earth, the parables. I want to look at the parables of Jesus. I've, I've wanted to kind of go through this whole series for a long, long time. One of my favorite portions of study. So we'll cover most of the parables of Jesus in this series. Tonight, I want to talk to you about how to wait for the coming of Jesus. How to wait for the coming of Jesus. And we're going to look at Matthew 25. There's 13 verses, the first 13 verses. So get a Bible and study together with me, okay? Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, so the coming will be longer than most people think. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. It's hard to wait for something when it takes a long time to happen. But at midnight, verse 6, there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. So they had enough oil in the lamp to light it, just no extra oil. Nine. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. There's this cutoff point. 11. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Now, here's Jesus saying, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now, to kind of set this into context you really would have to go back to the beginning of chapter 24. So while giving this teaching about the ten bridemaids, Jesus is still sitting on the mountainside with his disciples. This is his very last day of public ministry, and he's sharing things that are close to his heart. Many of the teachings and the parables that Matthew records in chapters 24 and 25, they center around events still in the future. Chapter 24, Jesus begins with some teaching on the events that will give advanced warning about the winding down of this whole age. And then as the teaching progresses through those chapters, he works his way to events that will immediately precede his coming. Then what he does, this is what we read here. In the last part of 24, right through 25, he he reinstates these truths about his coming, but he does it in simple story form, in parables, where he takes the things he's been teaching about earlier and puts them into story form so they'll be more rememberable. You'll see as we work our way through the parables that each parable picks up one element of detailed teaching. No, no parable is designed to, to include everything Jesus said about the second coming. Each one just shines 
spotlight specifically on one or two important ideas that Jesus had been expanding as he talked about his coming. Today, we're going to study that familiar parable about these ten virgins awaiting the bridegroom. And the particular theme of this parable is the need for readiness when Jesus comes. That's the point of the parable. This parable in chapter 25, it is designed to put into story form, to give imagery to what Jesus had been teaching about in Matthew 24, 42 to 44. Look at those words. This isn't a parable now. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. You don't know when. For know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and he would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming when you do not expect it. That's what this parable is about. To put these truths about the second coming and the need for preparedness and readiness Jesus wants to put that into a simple story that they can remember. And so he tells this tale of these bridemaids and this late night celebration of a Jewish wedding. I think I have about five points I want to cover. One, these 10 bridesmaids were all given a gracious invitation to the coming of the bridegroom. So, so, Just to be clear, this is not a story about five genuine bridesmaids and five who had no business being there. That's not the point at all. All ten were invited to the wedding. None of them had earned the right to be there. None was more deserving than any other. They had just responded to a gracious invitation. They had said yes. They had accepted and come. That's very important. The point we're meant to see is Jesus is telling a story that relates to those who have already made a choice to follow him in some way. He's not comparing the different states of readiness in the church and in the world. That's not what this parable is about. All of these bridesmaids were at the wedding. They all wanted to be there. They had responded already to the invitation. So this is not a story of salvation by works. None of the bridesmaids had earned entrance to this celebration. It's the story of a group, a representative group of people who are there because they want to meet the bridegroom. They've responded to the invitation. That's why they've come. That's who they're waiting for. All 10 of them have their lamps burning and they've gone out to meet the bridegroom. This is the most important point to grasp as we sort of introduce this parable. It's the one truth that makes the rest of the parable have such tremendous impact. This community of 10 bridesmaids in Jesus' story, they represent those who hear about Jesus. They hear the gospel. They make some profession. They claim to love. They claim to long for his appearing. That's why they've come. This is their opinion of themselves. They're there because they want to meet the bridegroom. This is the opinion of their neighbors. Okay, point number two. Now you start to see the edge of this parable. It's one thing to accept an invitation. All ten did. 
It's another thing to prepare for the event. You have to do something with the hard details of this story. I mean, 10 bridesmaids were obviously glad they were honored to be invited to meet the bride, the bridegroom. 10 bridesmaids, they took the time to dress. They took the time to come. They took the time to get lamps. They had their lamps burning. They went out to the wedding procession. Yet, only five of them get in. 50% are shut out. And, and just to be clear, this really isn't the first time Jesus gave this sharp emphasis in his teaching. He actually did it in another parable that we'll study later on, but let me just read it. Here's the same idea. There's a difference between accepting an invitation and preparing properly. You'll see this recapped in Matthew 22, 11 to 14. It's another story. People are at this, this big banquet, this big wedding, like a reception we would have today. Matthew twenty two eleven. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then the king said to the attendant, now remember, Jesus is telling this story. If you don't like it, it's his story. And the king said to his attendants, bind him hand and foot, cast him into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And here's the famous words we all know. For many are called, few are chosen. Now, notice, this man was not thrown out of this wedding celebration because he wasn't invited. That is not the point of the story. No one questioned his invitation. He was thrown out for not being prepared. That's the point of the story. There's a difference between accepting an invitation, a free, gracious invitation. There's a difference between that and being ready, being prepared for the event. The very same point that Jesus is making in this parable of the ten virgins. Ten are invited. Ten wanted to be there. Ten accepted the invitation. Ten came, but only five were prepared. Only five entered in. This is the point that's so striking in each of these three judgment parables, if I can call them that. Each parable has the same Christian ambience to it. They're all stories of division, separation, not out there in the world, but among professing followers of Christ. So in the first parable, we find bridesmaids who failed to prepare. The second, we find a servant who didn't invest and work. The third, we find believers who didn't love and serve. Those parables are all in that chapter. And in each case, those who were there, they were shoe-ins, they thought. It's not that these parables teach salvation by works or merit. It's not that they offer some other way, some harder, more legalistic kind of gospel. That's not it at all. There's no contradiction in these parables with the clear teaching of the free gift of God's redemption in Jesus Christ. No, the purpose of these three parables in Matthew 25 is to teach what genuine faith looks like. That's the point. 
Of course, we're saved only by faith in the finished work of Christ. When he died on the cross, rose from the dead to deliver us from sin and death and the wrath of God. That doctrine isn't threatened by this parable of the ten bridesmaids. What Jesus is teaching is in agreement with what the rest of the Bible teaches about what does, how does real faith manifest itself? That's what Jesus is doing. Matthew 25, defining real faith. Faith that doesn't prepare isn't really faith. It will be shut out one day. Faith that doesn't sacrifice and obey isn't really faith. Faith that doesn't reach out in love and grace isn't real faith. Point number three. While all ten bridesmaids began with bright, burning lamps, okay, only five were careful about tending their lamps adequately to be ready for the wedding party. I mean, the whole parable turns on, that's the pivot point in this parable. That's what divides, right, the wise from the foolish. Five were foolish because they acted as though the job was done in just coming with their lamps lit. They thought that fulfilled their obligations. It never dawned on them that there was need for anything else. And so Jesus is urging understanding for all of us at this point. He's saying life in the kingdom, it isn't just something you can begin. It's something that has to be maintained. The rest of your Christian life is the longest part no matter how long since you first professed Christ. It's the rest of your Christian life that has a lot to do with your future. Like the five foolish virgins, it's easy to get it backwards if you don't think it through. I mean, our testimonies. Look at our testimonies, all about how we got saved, when we got saved. And getting saved is very important. No argument from me. But, but it isn't all there is to it. It's what you do next that counts as much as what you did before. Point number four. There's something in our Christian walk that needs constant replenishment. That needs to be pondered, I think. The foolish bridemaids, they had lamps. They carried their lamps. The lamps were burning. They wanted to see the bride and bridegroom. They wanted to be there. The wise carried lit lamps and they carried flasks of oil. So, so what I see in that is the wise virgins thought something through that the foolish virgins ignored. Lamps must be lit if they're going to give off light. Light requires the release of some kind of energy. And that energy requires the using up of some kind of fuel. So whatever else Jesus is saying, at least this, something gets consumed every hour that a lamp burns. It's easy for busy people, distracted people in all sorts of areas of life to be foolish people when it comes to their Christian walk. These five Foolish bridesmaids 
had a dozen places where they could have purchased more oil while it was still day. They just, they just didn't think of it. They weren't focused on that. But the five wise bridesmaids, they were what we would call watchful. This is the quality of character that Jesus said was so outstanding in this parable. The five wise bridesmaids took the time to think about what might happen in the future. That's it. They planned to make sure they couldn't possibly miss out on the event. They thought through future situations. They assessed what needs might arise. They took steps in advance not to fail. That's what Jesus is praising in this parable. Above all, maybe this was the height of their wisdom. These five wise bridesmaids, they knew they couldn't just coast along on the light of their lamps without sooner or later coming to terms with the need for more fuel. You you, you can't just exist as a Christian. You, You can't just rely on the fact that you were saved in, you know, 1981. You can't coast. That lamp of a burning Christian experience needs the flask of daily discipline and consecration. Look at Jesus' words in Luke 9, 23 to 25. Jesus is the speaker. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Jesus tells us the person who failed to do daily what he perhaps did once when he first professed Christ. The person failed to do daily what he perhaps did once when he professed Christ. That's the problem Jesus is exposing in this parable. Five virgins were wise because they prepared in advance for what was going to need replenishing if they were to be ready when the wedding party came. There's, there's, there's something God in his grace renews, renews daily, but, but that doesn't change the fact that there's something that gets used up. And you need this constant inflow of divine life. Five. We're almost done. You can't borrow what is needed to be ready when Jesus comes again. Jesus makes that very clear, doesn't he? Matthew 25, verses 8 and 9. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Now, 
I don't know about you, it seems to me like the story shouldn't end like that. I mean, in other parables, Jesus praised uh, the generosity and the kindness of those who gave of their abundance to those in need. In this very chapter, Matthew 25, Jesus will talk about seeing the praises about people who gave of themselves to others in need. Uh, I was looking at uh, Matthew 25, 37 to 40. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you and or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Wow. So it's so important to do all we can do to show love and care to those whom we can help. But the message of these two parables is not the same. In the last parable, Jesus is talking about what we can do in this present age to demonstrate our love to those who need his love. In as much as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. That's what Jesus is talking about in that parable. But in the parable of the ten virgins, he's not talking about that. He's talking about people who want to compensate for not being ready when Jesus comes at the end of the age. And he's saying, nobody else will be able to turn back the clock. Nobody else will be, there's no one else you can go to for help. During this age, right now, as we live in this world, Jesus says, you go find whoever's in need, any kind of need, you give, you sacrifice. In the parable of the ten wise and foolish bridesmaids, Jesus isn't talking about life in this age. He's talking about when he comes again in the final judgment. And everything becomes terrifyingly individual. Everyone faces Jesus alone at that moment. You can't borrow then. You can't borrow then. Six, last point. You can be too late. I'm not sure I like the way this ends. It's just what the New Testament says. Look at Matthew 25, 10 to 13. While they were going out to buy, the bridegroom came. He came. He's going to come. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. You have to be ready all the time. Jesus doesn't even labor the obvious that there's no place to buy oil in the middle of the night. What would have been an easy task hours earlier had now become impossible. And that's the point. That's the point. All the bridesmaids wanted to be ready when the wedding party arrived, of course. But you can't get ready then. You have to be ready then. So whatever view you have of the second coming of Jesus... However, you have your eschatological timetable worked out. Whatever you might be thinking about sorting things out and just coming in under the wire, Jesus offers no hope 
I know of no hope offered for those plans. If I'm not ready now, it's not likely that I'll be ready then. That's what Jesus said about this real event that is still to come. Let's take his words to heart. Let's be ready always. Nothing else compares in importance to that. Let's pray. How blessed we are to have the very words, probably spoken in Aramaic, the very words, nouns, adjectives, sentences of our Lord recorded for us. We can see what God the Son said about the importance of preparing now for his coming. And so I just pray that you'll help all of us, Father, help all of us who rely so freely on your saving grace, doing nothing to deserve it ourselves, but day by day will ensure that our lives are constantly renewed in your presence. Our hearts are set on your glorious appearing. Bless this truth through our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And if we can help you in any way to be ready for the coming of Jesus, you'll see all sorts of email addresses and everything else on the screen. Pastor Chris will speak to you. We want to help you in any way we can. God bless you, church. Join us now for our prayer time.